How many of you guys are ready for a word today? Amen. How many of you guys have had a great week this week? Wave at me if you had a great week. Wave at me if you have not had a great week this week. Man, I pray in Jesus' name your week will change and it'll start today because we're kicking off a brand new series called Stop Running Scared. And I think this is really a fitting series for the season that we find ourselves in because this series is really going to be talking about fear. That spirit of fear and and what that is because I don't know if you realize this or not, but there are thousands, literally thousands of recognized phobias and fears in the world today. And so what I want to do is I want to kind of break the ice, if you would. I've got some, uh, some pictures and different things. But what I've done is I have come up and found some of the top fears that people have. And hey, if it hits yours and this is one of your fears, I just want you to say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. So let's look at this together. The first fear is claustrophobia. Come on, claustrophobia. Fear of confined spaces. Anybody got that going on? I see your hands back there. I see you. All right, here's the second one. Arachnophobia. Come on, anybody scared of that? Yeah, look at the hands there. You guys scared of spiders? Here's another one. Acrophobia. Come on, anybody scared of heights? Get that that little feeling in your stomach when you get up real high. Here's one of my favorites, nomophobia. Some of you are like, nomophobia, amen, I'm good. No, that's not what it means. Nomophobia simply means the fear of no cell service. Linus got his little phone there, amen. Here's another one. Palatophobia, palatophobia, that's the fear of becoming bald, and all the men in the house said, Woo, amen. For those of us that are bald, we, hey, there ain't no fear there, baby, amen. We just try to grow it in other places, amen. That's all it is. Here's another one for you. This is the next one pentherophobia, pentherophobia, that's fear of your mother in law. Yes, can I get amen from somebody in the house? And then last but not least, guys, here it is, laconophobia, that's the fear of vegetables. Come on, the fear of vegetables. You know, the easiest way to break that fear of vegetables is wrap it in bacon. Come on, somebody, amen, just wrap it in bacon. The reality, though, guys, is there are thousands of phobias and fears in the world in which we live in, and the person that comes to you and says, I don't fear anything, I really don't think they're in touch with reality, because here's what I know, is that no one is exempt from fear. We all battle fear. Everybody in here today, in one way, shape, or form, you're going to face fear. Whether it's clinically diagnosed or something that is emotional, you're going to face fear at some point in time in your life. Sometimes we face the fear of rejection. We're going to be talking about that in this series. That fear of rejection. Maybe as you were growing up, something happened to you, and you're carrying that fear around with you now in your adult life. You feel less than and you're carrying that fear of rejection around. There's also the fear of failure. We're going to be talking a lot about that in this series where maybe, you know, something happened to you one time back then and because of that, it, it, it's holding you back and you're not willing to take risk. You're not real, willing to step out and try new things. And so you've got something that happened in your past, but it is holding you in a present prison. 
There's the fear of failure. Uh, Some people are afraid of the opinions of others. What will he say? What will they say? What will they do? And so we live our lives afraid of they. But let me ask you something. Who are they? And why are you allowing they to rule your lives? They. Some people are afraid of health situations. What's the doctor going to say? Is this going to be terminal? Is it not? Where am I at? Uh, Maybe you struggle with one of your kids in your life and and there's the fear that, man, my kid is going to make a bad decision and that's going to ruin their lives forever. And so you live with that fear. Some people have a fear of being alone. You know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And so you, you have that fear that you'll never get married. This is for men and women. And the devil will torment you and press you and make you think you're not worthy, make you think you're not valuable. And if you're not careful, you'll step out and marry the wrong person, a person that God never intended for you to marry. Because here's what you need to realize. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Dating brings out the best in you. Marriage brings out the rest of of you. Come on, somebody. So you got that fear of, of being alone. And then, the, you know, that comes around. I, I remember Samantha, you know, our oldest daughter. She's, she's grown now. She's kind of doing her thing. And, but I remember when she re- just reached that teen year. Come on, anybody feel my pain in the house? Those, those teenage years. And so she was there. And I remember telling her, I said, baby, I said, listen, when them guys come up to you and say, girl, you are fine. You just look at him, baby, and say, yeah, I'm fine without you. Amen. Come on, somebody. You got to train them up right. Amen. Some people are afraid of the dark. Come on. How many of you get scared when you hear something goes bump in the night? Anybody in the house afraid of the dark? Yes. Come on. Now, fellas, how many of you guys in the house today, you are a man's man? Come on, holler at me. You're a man's man. And when something goes bump in the night, what do you do? Okay, let me just tell you what I do. Misty knows this about me. Misty knows that I am a man of God. I am a tower of power. I am all of that. But when we hear something that goes bumping tonight, I'm going to lean over and say, baby girl, can you go check that out? <laughs> Amen. Why? Because somebody's got to pray. Amen. Everybody can't be in the battle. Somebody's got to pray. You're going to be all right. So I just need you to go check that out. Here's what I'm trying to get you guys to realize. No one is exempt from fear. No one is exempt from fear. And the devil has a plan when it comes to fear to hold you hostage and to keep you bound in your life. So you know what fear does? Fear will keep us in jobs that we hate. Fear will keep us in relationships that are bad for us. Fear will keep us in habits that we cannot break. Fear will exaggerate our insecurities. Because we all have pockets of insecurities. And I know you may be here and say, man, I'm, I'm good. And you look clean on the outside. You look good. You're dressed up. But if we could x-ray your thoughts and x-ray your emotions, I guarantee you, you'll find that there are pockets of insecurities in your life. And the devil will leverage that fear to exaggerate those insecurities. But can I tell you something today? The devil has no real power at all, only the power to deceive. That's all he has. And so he will take that fear in your life and he will turn it into a spirit of fear where you live your whole life making decisions based off of the fear that's in your life. And guys, can I just tell you how damaging that is? 
how damaging it is to live with the spirit of fear. And so I want to give you just five things today that happens when you live with that spirit of fear. What does that spirit of fear do in your life? Here's number one. If you're taking notes, write this down. It breeds more fear. Fear, that spirit of fear, living like that, it will breed more fear in your life. But did you know that studies actually show that 95% of all of your fears never happen? Come on, think about that. The nights you laid up in bed and you couldn't sleep and you're worried and you're nervous and and, and you're agitated and all of this stuff. 95% of the things that you're scared of never even happen. And the tragedy is that we allow those things to ruin our lives and run our lives when they're never even going to happen. You know, I thought about Mark Twain and Mark Twain said this. He says, I've been through some terrible times in my life, a few of which actually happened. Been through some terrible times in my life in my mind, but only a few things actually happened. So you have to be careful when you let that spirit of fear in you, it will breed more fear. Here's the second thing. It clouds my judgment. It clouds my judgment. You know, I heard a story about a guy who walked up to a house one day and the guy had a big sign out there that says, beware of dog. And the guy was on his way up and he stopped, he read that sign and he started stepping back a little bit. And all of a sudden the owner of the house comes out of the house and he's got a little foo-foo dog. Come on, how many you know what I'm talking about? Little foo-foo. And the guy looked at the owner and he said, man, that dog can't hurt anybody. The owner looked at him and said, you're right, but that sign can That sign can. And a lot of the times we fear things that cannot hurt us, but the sign can. The thought of it can. And the next thing you know, you're making decisions based off stuff that's not even true in your life. And you won't even go up to somebody's house because Fufu lives there. You're making these decisions and most of the time your judgment is so clouded that you can't see clearly. Here's another thing that that spirit of fear will do. It will redirect my energy. It redirects my energy. So instead of stepping up, you start stepping down in life. You start stepping back. You start cowering in fear. You start shutting yourself in. And you're not letting anybody in because you're living in that fear. But guys, I don't know about you, but if there's any time for the church to be the church, that time is now. If there's any time for the church to step up and rise, that time is now. We're not called to step back and cower in fear. We're called to step up and do something great for the cause of Jesus Christ. You understand that we have a mission, a mission to go fishing and tell everybody we can about the love, grace, and mercy of Jesus Christ. Turn to somebody and say, you need to step up. You need to step up. I thought about Mother Teresa who was a woman who stepped right in the middle of the pain and the suffering of life. And she makes this comment. She said, it's time for the church to be the church. Come on, if there ever was a time where the church needed to be the church, that time is now. But if you let that spirit of fear get on you, it will redirect your energy. Here's the fourth thing it does. It paralyzes my potential. It paralyzes my potential. It limits the effectiveness of your life. It keeps you from dreaming. You know anybody that's always going but never doing? 
always fixing to. Come on, how many of you remember the old timers? Used to sit back in the chair talking about, I'm fixing to get up. I'm fixing to go here. I'm fixing to do that. And they're sitting on the sidelines of life just watching things pass them by. Why? Because fear has paralyzed them to the point where they're afraid to try. I love what Paul Turner says. He says this, all of us have reservoirs of full potential. Listen to this. All of us have reservoirs of full potentials, vast areas of great satisfaction. But the road that leads to those reservoirs, the road that leads to the potential, the blessing, the greatness, the great satisfaction is guarded by the dragons of fear. John chapter 20 verse 19 On the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked. Why? For fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, hey, peace be with you. Now think about this. These are the disciples. They've been with Jesus all of this time, three years with him. And they've seen the miracles. They've seen the dead being raised, the eyes of the blind being opened, the lame being healed. They've seen, look, Jesus gathered so many people. They didn't even count them. They called them multitudes. He saw, they saw all of this and yet they find themselves locked in fear. Let me ask you a question. Were they locked in from the inside or the outside? Were they locked in from the inside or the outside? Because fear is a self-imposed prison. And in locking is a choice. So again, that spirit of fear ought to paralyze my potential. But then here's the fifth thing. It ruins my relationships. It ruins my relationships. Let's go all the way back to Genesis to the beginning. You guys remember Adam and Eve and they walked with God in the cool of the day and then all of a sudden Adam got hungry. Eve didn't have anything to cook. She grabs the apple, whatever the fruit may be, gives it to Adam. He eats it. God comes down in Genesis 3.10. God's looking for Adam and Adam said, hey, I was afraid, so I hid. I was afraid, so I hear. Fear will cause you to cover things up. And so we don't say what needs to be said because we're afraid of the response. And so I'm not going to let you in. I'm not going to really let you know what's going on with me because if you really knew the the me, the real me, you might not like me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to find out what you like to hear and I'm going to find out what you like to do and I'm going to focus in on that. Dating is the highest form of false advertising that exists. We pretend to be things we're not. But why are you so afraid? Well, if I tell you and you don't like me, I have nothing left to give you. So I just got to discover what you really like and then I'm going to tune in on that. And we see that happening all of the time. But here's what I want to show you. Fearful people cannot do three things. They cannot give love. They cannot receive love. And they cannot commit to others. A person who's ruled with a spirit of fear, they can't give love, they can't receive love, and they can't commit to others. You know why it's like that? Because fear makes it hard to let your hair down. I'm afraid I might get hurt again. You ever heard somebody say that? Well, I would, but I'm scared that this is going to happen. I'm scared that's going to happen. But here's what you need to realize is that your fears affects the influence you have on other people in your life. You ever seen a parent who ruins their kid's life because of stuff they went through? 
You ever see a boss to hold an employee back because of his own hang-ups and mess-ups? You ever see leaders that won't let their followers become everything that God intended them to be because they're afraid to let go? This is a spirit of fear. And this is what's happening in so many people's hearts and lives today. And so what I want to do with the rest of our time is I don't want to leave you on a bad note. I want to leave you on a good note. I want to pump you full of hope today. And I want to give you the antidote for the spirit of fear. There's an antidote. And we find it in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. For God has what? Not. Come on, say it like you mean it. For God has... Not, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So that spirit of fear, guess what? It's not from God. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but what's he given us? Power, love, and a sound mind. These are the antidotes for breaking the spirit of fear. Power, love, and a sound mind. Let's break them down real quick. Number one is power. Power. Vance Hanner said this one time. He said, God has dynamite power. And we live firecracker lives. That was a mic drop moment, right? I envisioned when I was putting this sermon together, somebody was running laps. You're not, so we'll move on. Vance, Vance said this, God has given us dynamite power, but we're living firecracker lives. God has given you the power to endure the trials, the power to endure the temptations, the power to be able to stand up when everybody's sitting down. God has given us that power. And I thought about the Apostle Paul at the time he's writing to Timothy here in this letter. And while he's writing it, Nero is the emperor of Rome and Paul is concerned about the church in Ephesus. Timothy's pastoring there and and Nero is persecuting the Christians. And because we have young kids in the room, I won't go into details. But if you want details, Google it and look it up yourself. It is some of the most horrific things you can ever imagine. Since 64 AD and the city has burned for six days. It's burned three quarters of the city and Nero is looking someone to blame. And so he blamed the Christians. And he begins to torture the Christians and he tortured them so bad that historians record that the people of Rome actually had compassion on the Christians because of the way they were being treated. And this is where Paul is writing to Timothy saying, hey, I know this is going on. I know this is happening, but this fear you're experiencing, it's not from God. He's giving you power to hang in there. And I don't know what kind of scary situation you're in right now. I don't know what you're facing. But here's what I do know. That if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And He's giving you the power that you need to endure in this thing called life. Listen, God never said you won't have to walk through dark valleys. But He did say that we don't have to fear because He goes with us. Psalms 23 verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because Lord, you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There is a power inside of you today. A power to do great things. A power to overcome any kind of evil. A power that can help you stand up under any weight, any circumstance in your life. There is a power in you. Turn to somebody and say, you've got the power. That was weak. 
The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of you. Turn to somebody and say, you've got the power. Yes. That's why Paul prayed for us in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. He says, I'm praying that you'll understand. What am I understanding? The incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms. You've got the power. But not only is power an antidote, there's also love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, love contains no fear. Indeed, fully developed love expels every particle of fear. Love expels every particle of fear. That's what it does. It's kind of like the guy who was writing his fiance a love letter, and he was going to put down 1 John 4, 18. And basically saying, baby girl, listen, love expels every particle of fear. It expels it. It gets rid of it. You and I, we're about to get married. There's no fear. We're going to make it through this. Only to find after he gives her the note, for two weeks she wouldn't speak to him. He's saying, man, what is going on? I've given her the scripture. I thought it was great. The problem is he forgot to put the one in front of John. So he wrote to her, John chapter 4, verse 18, which says, Jesus is talking to a woman at the well. He says, ma'am, you've got five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. (laughs) Come on, how many of you know them numbers are important? Amen, in Jesus' name. Love becomes an antidote to fear when these two things are true. Here's the first one. I must be aware of God's love for me. I must be aware of God's love for me. I need to accept His love. And when I trust in God's love, my fear begins to fade because there's no fear in love. Because God is love and He's never afraid. John would go on in that same scripture, 1 John 4.18, he says, For fear always contains some of the torture of feeling guilty. Feeling guilty, despair, All of that has to do with fear. The bottom line is you'll never be released from your fears until you're willing to experience the grace, mercy, and forgiveness of God. Because guilt and fear are always tied together. So if you want love to be that antidote, you must be aware of God's love for you. But then here's the second one. I got to be willing to offer that love to other people. I'm aware of God's love, but then I've got to offer that love. There's three ways you can move in life. This is not in your notes. I want you to think about this. Three ways you can move in life. You can move against something in anger, away from something in fear, or towards something in love. There's three ways you can move against something in your life. Against something in anger, away from something in fear, Or towards something in love. Why is it that a woman would run into a burning building to save her child? Why would she do that? Simply because that's her child. She loves that child. The power of love always overcomes the power of fear. 
Let me say that again. The power of love always overcomes the power of fear. And you understand why love is the antidote to fear, right? You get that because the root of fear is self-centeredness. That's what the root of fear is. It's, it's a preoccupation with self. Well, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to be a failure. I don't want to look bad. I, 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 I. But love gets your focus off of yourself and on others. So the more I'm filled with love, the less I'll be filled with fear. Come on, are you getting this today? So we've got power. Turn to somebody and say power. Turn to somebody and say love. Now number three, we've got to have a sound mind. Some translations say self-discipline or self-control. You know, I've heard it said, and I've actually read this several times, that, that when a baby is born, they're only born with two fears. That's falling from high places and loud noises. That's the only two fears that they say a baby is born with. And some of you are like, no, no, Pastor, my baby's afraid a whole lot more than that. Well, that may be true, but every other fear is learned in your life. Which is a good thing, because if it's learned, it can be what? Unlearned. And the fact is, so much of what we have learned in life is false truths. So much of what we've learned and so much of what we've based our life on is based on false assumptions. Maybe you received it from your parents or your peers or your friends or the movies or politicians or the news media and you've received a lot of information, but if you're not careful, you will base your life on that false information you've received. So how do we do that? How, how do we challenge the information that comes through our life? We've got to filter it with God's truth. John chapter 8 verse 31 and 32 says this, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And when you know the truth, what does it do? It sets you free. When you base your life on the truth, it will always set you free. The problem is that fear distorts our perception. You don't know what the definition of fear is? Put that up, Miss Gina. Here's the definition of fear. I want you to write this down. Fear is just simply this. It's false evidence appearing real. That's all fear is. It's false evidence appearing real. It, it, it looks like it's true. May even sound like it's true, but it's not. And so we've got to have God's truth, God's word in order to manage our fears. So I want to end with this today and I want to fill you full of hope today. I want to let you know that man, as, as, as people in the world, we have been through a lot of stuff since the year 2000. Put that up for me, Miss Gina. Since the year 2000, we've been through a lot of stuff. I know that's small. Take a picture, blow it up. Send me an email, I'll send you this. How many of you guys remember Y2K? Come on, somebody, show your age to me. Amen? The world's coming to an end. We're all going to die. The computers are going to crash. You're not going to be able to buy or sell anything. It's coming to an end. 2000, we had Y2K. 2001, we had anthrax. 2002, the West Nile virus. 2003, we had SARS. 2005, we had the bird flu. Come on, how many of you remember the bird flu? 
2006, E. coli. 2008, a bad economy. 2009, the swine flu. 2010, the BP oil spill. 2012, the Mayan calendar said, we all going to die. Sell it all. We're going to die. 2014, Ebola virus. 2015, ISIS. 2016, the Zika virus. And 2020, the coronavirus. And I've come here to tell you and fill you full of hope today to let you know we live through it all and we're going to keep living because God's still on His throne. Give Him praise in the house today. He's still on the throne. 2 Corinthians 1.10 Put it on your mirror. Put it in your car and remember it. Here it says, He has delivered us. He will deliver us and He will continue to deliver us. Come on, somebody. He has delivered us. He will deliver us. And He will continue to deliver us. Why? Because Romans chapter 8 verse 31 says, What shall we say in response to all of these things that's happening? What shall we say to coronavirus? What shall we say to the election? What shall we say to all of the violence and everything we're seeing? What shall we say to the sex trafficking? What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who's going to separate us from the love of Jesus Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? No, in all these things, listen, you're not just a conqueror today. The Bible says you're more than a conqueror through Him who loved us. Come on, give God the biggest hand clap of praise you can right there in the house. Stand with me all over the house. Tell somebody, say, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. We're going to get through it. Don't let the spirit of fear ruin your life. Don't let the spirit of fear keep you locked up from the inside. God is still on the throne. He still loves us and cares for us. And He's still pouring His spirit out on us every single day. God, we need you. So, Pastor, what's my response? Psalms 34, verse 4. Here it is. You ready for this? I prayed to the Lord, and He answered me and freed me from what? All my fears. I prayed to the Lord, and He answered me. And what did He do? He freed me from what? All my fears. He freed me from it. He freed me from it. Listen, I'm not saying that we shouldn't respect social distance and all that. I'm not saying that. We do need to do that. But here's what I'm saying to you. Don't live your life in fear. It'll paralyze you. It'll keep you from becoming all that God wants you to be. Live your life in faith. There's power inside of you. There's love there and there's a sound mind. Listen, man, put put that put those dates back up again. Man, look at that. Look at that. I skipped some years, but I could have threw something in there. Just take a hard look at it. Since 2000, this is what we've been through. 
Looks like we all going to die. <laughs> but God's still true and still faithful. Amen? He's still on the throne. I remember in 2000, you don't need to know how old I was. Amen? But I remember sitting on the back porch steps in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. And I remember my dad, who didn't bit more know nothing about God, he said, boy, you're going to be all right. And I'm sitting on the back steps crying, thinking it's all over. We're going to die. I, I hadn't even lived life yet by 2000. I was like, Lord. And I woke up the next morning, and I was like, still alive. I felt like the crude, amen. Still alive. Some of y'all ain't got small kids. You ain't got no idea what I'm talking about. Watch the crudes, amen. Look at all that you've been through. And think about the faithfulness of God. Don't let the spirit of fear ruin your life. But let the power and the love and the sound mind, let, let that permeate your being of who you are to say, God, time is too short to be living in fear. I'm living in faith and I'm trusting you. I'm going to respect everything that's going on. I'm going to respect it, but I'm not going to fear it in Jesus' name. So, Father, we love you today. We thank you. Because year after year after year, we can see the hand of redemption, the hand of protection weaving its way through the history of our world since, Lord, the foundations of the earth. But God, we're just looking at these few short years. And you've not failed us, and you're not going to fail us. God, we know that you're an all-knowing, all-seeing eye that never sleeps nor slumbers, but you watch over us day and night, night and day, and you're with us every step of the way. So God, we need you in this hour. We need you in this, this, this moment in time, in history, where yes, we're facing something we've never faced before in our lives. We're, we're going through this time, but, but you're still God. You're still God and you're still on your throne. And you're speaking into our hearts today saying, hey, you want an antidote? It's power. It's love and it's a sound mind. And so, God, we give our lives to you. We ask that you would speak into our hearts and help us to receive you in ways like never before. In Jesus' name, look at me just for a moment. Look at me. How are you doing? Come on. How are you doing? You know, I heard Stephen Furtick talk of the other day, and he said, it's actually a tricky question to ask somebody that, and, and it is. But, but how are you doing? Right now, where you are, how are you doing? Let me, let me, add, let me add another word for you. Really. How are you really doing? Because there's a God in heaven that, that loves you, and He knows what you're going through. He knows what your battles are. 
He knows what your struggle is. And you know what? He's in heaven just sitting there just like this. Saying, hey, just come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden and burdened. And what did he say? I will give you rest. Father, thank you. Bow your heads just for a second. Maybe you stumbled in here today. And maybe you have allowed the enemy to put a spirit of fear in you. And it's paralyzing every decision that you make in life. But God says, hey, I want to break that spirit off of you today. And I want to help you. And your first step, if you haven't taken it already, is to just simply resign as CEO of your life. And to just ask God to come into your heart, to come into your life and be with you. So let me ask you today, how many of you in here today, you just come in here and you say, Pastor, I've never taken that step. I've never asked Jesus to come into my heart. I've never asked him to come into my life. But, but today's the day. I'm ready to go all in. If that describes you, would you just be willing to lift a hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready to go all in. I'm tired of doing life on my own. I want to give Him everything I've got. Maybe you're in here today and fear seems to be ruining your life. If you would lift a hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. There's some things I'm dealing with. Seize the hands. Seize the hands. Pastor, pray for me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we break every fear that is resting on the lives of your people. And, and it's that spirit of fear, Lord. That's, that's really what we're breaking. That spirit of fear that's, that's resting on the people's lives. We come against that in Jesus' name. And Father, we pray that we would tap into you. Tap into your word. That we can combat all of those false truths with the truth of your word. And in doing so, God, the Bible says it sets our lives free. So, Father, we give you everything we've got today in Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said amen. Come on, give God the biggest hand clap of praise you can today.